1: what is up everybody welcome inside the guilty as charged podcast my name is steven and i am your host here to discuss the chargers 17 to 14 win over the tennessee titans uh with my guy tyler as always um alex is traveling back to the states today so he is unavailable the two of us were unavailable last night because of some christmas parties so uh here we are on a monday night tyler how you doing tonight dude
2: uh, doing very well can't wait to recap the game it definitely wasn't the 30 something to 17 <laughs> game that yeah. we expected but we we all did get a win I went four0 in our pick, so I'm coming for you Steven.
1: yeah I know I uh, I'm only up by one game uh on Tyler after having I think it was four game lead a few weeks ago so I gotta gotta bounce back in a in a big way this this weekend for for Christmas Eve week and I, I picked with my heart this week and it let me down <laughs> I picked I picked Tyler Huntley to win this week uh, and it did oh, not work yeah. out for me. So I, I got to go back to picking with my brain and not pick with my heart. That's that's what I did last year. It, it did work out for me. I've been picking with the brain this year and it uh, it has been working for me. So got to got to get back in the groove.
2: Yeah. Start using your brain. I don't know why I picked the Jaguars to beat the Dallas Cowboys, but it worked. I don't know what happened to me, but I did no preparation. I figured it out all live on the air <laughs> and it worked out. So maybe I'll just wing it from here on out.
1: Hey, man, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is playing some football right now, man. I I watched the replay of that uh, this morning, and, uh, dude, Trevor Lawrence is playing some good football. Uh, As a casual fan, I can't wait to see what that looks like down there when they get some actual legitimate top-tier receiving talent around him. So uh, Mm -hmm. if you're a Chargers fan, which I obviously most of you listening to the show are, you're rooting for the Titans to win that division. So uh, (laughs) I do not want to rematch with the Jacksonville Jaguars if it comes to that for the playoff seeding.
2: Ooh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, if I had to pick, yeah, I'd rather face the Titans. That's for sure. So yeah, no, no Jaguars, but good for them. Who who would have thought Steven a year ago that Trevor Lawrence and Justin field would be the two best quarterbacks <laughs> in that class? Who, who would have guessed so it? I know we, we really ground out the tape for that one. I know. So weird. It's
1: almost like, uh, you know, having eight second pockets (laughs) playing in the independent BYU is just, you know, not
2: translatable to the NFL at all. No, getting thrashed by the um, (laughs) Pac-12 one year, then bouncing back versus a bunch of nobodies and still having a bad game against Coastal Carolina, I think, uh, you know, turns out not so great. And also Trey Lance is not as good as Brock Purdy or something. Oh, man, the Niners quarterback
1: situation is so it's going to be such great television in the offseason to see what they do, because, uh, I mean, everybody was talking about Jimmy G as like a borderline MVP candidate and like the Niners going back <laughs> to the Super Bowl. And then Brock Purdy yeah. is better for them. I don't know. It's just yeah, you and know, Brock Purdy's is like the most poised rookie Cal Shannon's ever been around. It's it's wild times mm-hmm. in San Francisco from a quarterback perspective.
2: Yeah, wild stuff for sure.
1: All right. Well, uh, obviously have a a lot to dive in today in terms of the uh playoff hunt. We'll talk about that. We'll obviously talk about what kind of happened within this game. Lots of positive things to to take away from, in my opinion, and and certainly some things that we'll talk to or talk about, excuse me, in a from a critical lens. And then uh we obviously do have to mention the Mm -hmm. JC Jackson story uh today. So we'll we'll talk about that um, you know, probably at the end of the show. Um, Alright, we'll, we'll start obviously diving into this game from a general sense here. Tyler, what's kind of what was kind of your big takeaway from uh, the Chargers win over the Titans yesterday?
2: I kind of have to go back to what I was talking about in the key matchups where the Island of misfit players needed to step up and continue to play well and I, I really think that they did. Um, none of the Titans were throwing it all over the field. But of course Michael Davis I think a lot about 11 yards. Lil Hugh Gilman made his presence felt the entire game. Joshua Kelly finally had double digit touches. I know the numbers weren't great, but it was kind of circumstance and the what we're trying to do at the goal line—you know, three carries or whatever it was. Um, Brady Foco had probably the best game of his career playing the run versus you know one of the toughest tackles or you know tackle things guys to tackle in the league. Those guys continued to step up, and really, it rippled beyond that. We've been waiting for this defense to not just be the stars and just be the the three stars on defense Um, we're waiting for other guys to step up and in back-to-back weeks we have kyle van Noy, who's had two sacks chris rumpf who i honestly couldn't tell you the entire rest of the season a single play that he's made i can tell you about ones he's missed but that one sack that one game changing play really did change the game it was a sack which was needed they missed a field goal which was needed The Chargers scored right after that, if I'm not mistaken, which of course was needed. And it really just galvanized the entire stadium. The stadium was kind of, you know, a bit nervous, you know, a a bit because it was a a lot closer game than we all expected. But that play really, really energized the sideline, the stadium and everything. Not that like the Nasir Adderley interception didn't, but it was just really, really needed. We all got to breathe a sigh of relief. And I mean, the Chargers went on to win that game. So these guys that, really aren't the superstars whether it's this former sixth round pick who wasn't on draft boards alohi gilman the undrafted free agent brayden fahoko the the edge three slash four they were supposed to have who's now been their edge two and rump stepping up and all the all that like those guys of course justin herbert played good football as well like some of their stars did play well but it really feels like they're starting to play team football the last couple of weeks and that was really my my big takeaway
1: yeah, I mean, as Riley points out, you know, Joe Graziano had a sack as well, which uh, was a big turning point in the game, too. So, um, you know, the connective tissue of this roster has just been uh, a group that's been kind of underwhelming for the most part for most of the season. And, and um, you know, you talk about the the way that this edge rusher room outside of Cleo Mac has played. I mean, it would last week was the first sack of a non Khalil Mack edge rusher since like week three, when that was, I think uh, when Chris Rumpf had a sack back then or whatever it was. Um, And it's just, it has taken a long time for that group to really get going. And, you know, Jossier Taylor has playing, come in and played some good football. Uh, You know, the run defense substitution thing with him and Asante is certainly something we'll have to talk about, but you know, he executed his job well. So um, I think that's a really good point in terms of, of the connective tissue of this roster. Hopefully this is a sign of more things to come because that's how good teams win games. Like, and, and that's, I think one of the reasons why the Chargers have been in, in a bit of a were at least we're in a bit of a tough situation in the midway point of the season when you're relying on so many of those guys to be key contributors. And now people are coming back healthy. You're not asking so much out of them. And uh, you know, I think it's obviously good for the roster. Um my, my key takeaway from this, I think, I mean, we'll certainly dive into a lot of the things here today specifically, but I think beating the Dolphins and the way that they beat the Dolphins and then coming back and playing the Titans and beating the Titans the way that they beat the Titans, I think is really going to do some good in terms of instilling confidence around this team and around their ability to win games down the stretch and potentially win some playoff games. I think once you get into the dance you have to be able to beat teams in a variety of, of ways. Like we saw, um, mm-hmm. you know, everybody, the Bengals, what they did last year is going to install a lot of hope for every single team, right? Like heading into the playoffs, of like <laughs> what you can potentially do, you know, they go into Tennessee and they win a game where their quarterback gets sacked nine times. And it's just this fist fight of a game against Derek Henry mm-hmm. and, and AJ Brown, all these guys. And then the next week they go into since they go into Kansas city. And they win a shootout, and they win a comeback, and then they go to the Super Bowl, and they they have to come back from this deficit, and, they, and it's another shootout, and it's Aaron Donald, and it's all these things. So, you, once you get into the playoffs, you have to be able to win in a variety of ways. It's not just going; you, you can't always just rely on Justin Herbert to go out there and you know go thirty nine of fifty one or whatever it was against the Dolphins, and have this you know superhuman level of quarterback play. I think the Chargers are one of the few teams that can you know count on uh, you know an elite quarterback but you know winning in this kind of way where you're holding Mm -hmm. the Tennessee Titans to 14 points really seven points for most of the 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 game right and you're trying to figure out if you have a run game and you know you're you're trying to be able to manufacture offense in different ways than you know what we kind of would hope for uh and obviously I disagree with that kind of process but I think winning a game like this against the Titans, specifically, I think will do this team good because it's different mm-hmm. when it's like when you're grinding out a win against the Falcons, it doesn't really do you much good outside of the win. <laughs> when you're grinding out a right. win against mm-hmm. the playoff team and a team specifically mm-hmm. like built to beat you and, you know, mm-hmm. built to have Derrick Henry just run all over you. I think this is going to do some good for this team. And again, kind of give them some confidence down the stretch.
2: Yeah, it gives us a ton of confidence. I know that the numbers that Derrick Henry had, like they were very solid on a per play basis, but you just felt like the defense, not that they completely could stop the run. And I, I mean, I don't really think that the Titans ever got to a point where they're running it as much as I thought they would, and the Dolphins never really got to that point. But you feel like with the way this interior has been playing, although they just lost Gaziano, so there's another body gone. But yeah. You just you just feel better about your chances in the postseason. The next three games, we really aren't going to really know how this defense is. I think they're just going to play some solid football, and they're just more talented and better than you know Baker Mayfield, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, if he even plays at that point, I think he will. But it's not like a, a murderer's row of quarterbacks is coming up. So we won't really know. But at least you can feel like, like you said, just build some confidence in your team. Build some confidence in, in yourselves as a defense. Um, you obviously trust your special teams. Cameron Dicker with his third game-winning field goal of the year, which is ridiculous. And the offense can maybe figure some things out. It's a bummer that the offense has had this time to kind of try different things, potentially because the defense is holding it together, and they haven't been able to to capitalize on those things. But I guess they did go two for two in the red zone. But it it really really is nice to see that Justin Herbert could play a, a fine game. I think he played a fine game that had several outstanding moments to it, which you could call it maybe a good game because of that. You know, it really wasn't his best, and I've only watched it live, and the All-22 hasn't come out. But there are moments where, you know, this guy kind of misses. He misses that throw. This guy misses that catch. This guy drops that ball. But it didn't matter in the end because the Chargers had a complete team effort around them, um, and they were able to win, which is huge. We've been waiting for... Justin Herbert to not have to throw it and be perfect on 55 dropbacks just to win by three points in the end. Like, no, they were able to, they still had to drop back like crazy, but they didn't have to be perfect. Herbert didn't have to be perfect. And that's, that's just, it's wonderful to see.
1: Yeah. I, um, I feel like watching the broadcast that he was a little off at certain points, specifically in the second quarter and the third quarter. Um, so I'm very curious to see what the film shows here because there's been a lot of you know media members who already have access to the film that are saying that Herbert played a fantastic game a- again, and you know this is something that is kind of uh, continuing. Dan orlosky even went as far to say that this was the best game he's watched from Herbert all season on tape, which I feel like that's probably going to be hard <laughs> for me to th- to think that's was the outcome last when I week. watch it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so i don't know i mean the the interception was this the second interception was tough i think that was one of mm-hmm. you know a, a rare you know very bad decision from justin Herbert. the mm-hmm. first interception that's just like a freak accident <laughs> it's unfortunately just an yeah, incredible yeah. <laughs> play from Roger mccreary which like just does not happen very often so um i agree man i i think again it's different when a win like this happens against a bad team when a win like this happens against the titans who's been a perennial playoff team mm-hmm. who, you know what they're about with Derek Henry. And you know that even though they don't necessarily have like AJ Brown and all these guys strolling through, like, you know that this is going to be a fist fight of a game and they made it that way. And then the Chargers were still able to come out on top. So I think from a culture standpoint, from a confidence standpoint, this is a win that's going to be huge for this team. Um, really quickly, uh, Joe Gaziano is injured. I see some people asking about him in the chat. Brandon said said he did injure his mm-hmm. groin. Um, it's not considered a long-term injury in terms of like how Joey Bosa's was, um, but he is going to miss some time. I don't think he needs surgery, which is good news for him, but I, I almost don't expect him to play the rest of the season, probably place him on IR and kind of figure out where they're at after that. So it sucks. I mean, Joe Graziano is really starting to, to play well. Obviously he had the sack yesterday, had some good run stops the week before that. So, um, you know, another defensive line body down, but um, you know, we'll see what they do if they want to bring up, uh, Chris Hinton, who we haven't really seen much of obviously didn't play yesterday because Sebastian Joseph Day did play. Um, that's the, that's the mm-hmm. next man up in terms of on the roster. Otherwise we'll see if they kind of, you know, go look for a veteran again or, or something like that. Uh, if somebody
2: gets cut or something like that, I guess they'll have to, is, is Andrew Brown free? I mean, at some point we're going to have to cycle back to some <laughs> old familiar friends at this point. Uh, i believe andrew brown last time i checked is on the practice squad uh for the
1: cardinals so they they could bring andrew brown back they would have to sign him to the active roster but uh that mm-hmm. is an option uh i don't know where eric banks is at don't no really don't i don't that's care where decision. he's at either. <laughs> yeah what are you doing to me? um you know people have asked me about Forrest merrill i think if i'm not mistaken he like tore his pec in uh in training yeah camp, he's out for the and, season so... Yeah, he's yeah. out for this season. I wanted to make sure I was uh, right there. But, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see if anybody you know, gets cut practice squad wise. Um, but they will have to make some kind of other addition again along the defensive line. And it's crazy. Like I keep on people say I, I keep seeing people like talk about the defensive line. It still is not even close to the worst position group on the team. Like even after all of these injuries, like they're still playing better than the linebacker group. In my opinion, they're still playing better than the safety group outside of Derwin James, in my opinion. Uh, so the defensive line jay rogers i think are really doing a fantastic job this year
2: yeah no they really really are although i think the reason that they've lost all these players and got better is because their dt7 is the one that should have been dt3 to begin with but you know whatever <laughs> by the way yeah. big shout out on that minor segue thank you, you to go. um uh the fahoko family for this gift we we could open it live i don't know if the chat is bored wants us to do that um we're guessing it's either legos or macadamia nuts i <laughs> don't know what it is um, but i really appreciate the the gift so thank you um kaliki Maka.
1: there you go well done uh you know all seriousness the Focos are they're uh, great people man they're, they have some great interactions with people on twitter so uh you know it's been a pleasure to uh see them really in base the fan base like they have all right, we'll, uh, we'll dive into some sp- specifics here in terms of the game. Um, the, the place that I want to start this is, is something that Brandon Staley has highlighted. Uh, the Chargers third down defense, no longer a huge issue, apparently. So, uh, you know, three weeks in a row, the Chargers have allowed 30% or less on third down conversions. Um, this week against the Tennessee Titans, third they, the Titans converted three of their 11 third down opportunities. Um, and again, you know, Derrick Henry had himself uh, a pretty good day, but the key there for the chargers is that they were able to stay ahead of the sticks. So, um, I believe according to true media, their average third down distance was eight and a half yards, uh, which I think really allowed the, the chargers defense and specifically the pass rush to, uh, get after Ryan Tannehill, obviously hobbled and did not usually did not have his usual mobility after injuring his ankle, which, you know, respect the heck out of Tannehill Tannehill for coming back in that. that Absolutely. But. Um, you know, this this game was really set up for the Chargers pass rush to have itself a, their most productive day of the season. That's mm-hmm. what happened. And I think the the early down run defense was really the key there in terms of uh, allowing Chris Ruff, Kyle Vanoi, Khalil Mack uh, to have those opportunities to get after Ryan Tannehill.
2: It's, it's been huge. The way that this interior has played, I mean, Sebastian Joseph Day came back and, and like, boom, you just felt. It's just different. There's a reason yeah. that he was paid as he was. There's a reason he was and has been one of the best run defenders in the league. And you saw that immediately. Braden Fajoco. I don't know why. He's only accredited with one st- a run stop on pro football focus. Um, but th- those two guys were doing such great work on in the interior. And really just over the last few weeks, it's been Morgan Fox as well. But it's just they're doing so much better. And it's not a coincidence that over the same time span that that Braden Fajoco has been you know, playing and Murray's also been on the field. Cause I think there was one game he played like nine snaps or whatever. It's the best four game stretch of Kenneth Murray's career in terms of just pure run stops, the raw number there. Um, I don't know about the the run stop breaks. I'm not doing that math for his entire career, different four game spots, but <laughs> you know, he's got three each, you know, an average of three, the last four games, three, 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 three total of 12, lost four games. It's not a coincidence that the guys up front are playing well, and they're allowing the linebackers to play well, and the safeties are playing well, and, and Lohi Gilman's coming up to make tackles. Guys are just playing better and more free because the guys up front are doing their jobs. And you know whether that's Morgan Fox or Sebastian Joseph Day returning, or Braden Fajoco stepping up, like these guys up front are doing such a good job, and and they really like again the numbers for Derrick Henry aren't great, but that's that's mostly outside, and then I believe one run that went like 13 yards off the left guard. Otherwise. There wasn't much for him to do. Now they also didn't really feed him, so I don't know if he is a player that gets better the more you feed him because he had, I think he had like nine carries going into mid third quarter. But they, they, but then they would feed him; they'd try to give him the ball, and he'd get two yards or a loss. I mean, it was, it was such an impressive interior defensive line performance for them, and like you said, like it allowed the rest of the defense, you know, to, to play like third and eight. Um, or some guys would even draw like a holding penalty and it would be second and 20, first and 20 yeah. or whatever. Like the guys up front were doing such a great job. And then the other contributors that we've been waiting for stepped up. I mean, Gaziano, Kavanoy, uh, Chris Rumpf, Dutranquil, who has been, all these guys had sacks and it was huge. And if they can do that, it just it just changes the outlook of the entire defense. Um, again, we've we've seen them in third and sixteen over the third and whatever against the Chiefs. You know, or sometimes it just wouldn't matter, and they would give it up. But now you also have the secondary playing as well as it has. I'm not saying it's the most dynamic defense right now. I think it's being held together by glue and duct tape, but <laughs> it's it's working, yeah. and guys are playing sound. And we just at this point in the season, you know, again, it's, it's not the defense that we wanted to see. It's not even the players that we wanted out there because you want you know these guys are coming back, but the scheme is sound. Um, whether you want to say it's simplified or just guys are playing better, or whatever, but they're playing sound. So everything up front is starting to win. You have a 3-4, in theory, defense that's actually playing like a strong 3-4 where the three guys up front are doing their jobs and everyone else behind them is playing good football. It's it's really, really great to see that. Again, granted, you know, Tua didn't play a great game and Tannehill had one useful foot, yeah. but it's still good to see that these guys are doing their jobs and playing really sound football
1: yeah and you know Fahogo mentioned that with Chris Harry afterwards that like playing a team like Tennessee it's gonna make you test your patience and make sure that you're always playing sound football and they that uh the first t- Titans touchdown drive was was not a good drive for them I that definitely was uh you know a Derek Henry drive I think he literally had every yard on that drive yeah mm-hmm. um outside of that I thought they were really just connected and every single play you could really feel it and most of Derrick Henry's big runs were to the edge. Like if that's mm-hmm. that's been the the constant throughout the whole season for the Chargers right. is that the big runs are not up the middle. The big runs are all attacking the edges and getting one-on-ones that way. So um, you know, one thing that I think has certainly helped this defense, whether it's Sebastian being willing to do this or whether this is a specific scheme thing because of Braden Fajoco. Mm-hmm. You know, early on in the season, we didn't really see Sebastian Joseph Day moving around a lot uh, mm. in terms of his, uh, his uh, unique alignment. Um, for the most part, when him and Austin Johnson were healthy, it was Sebastian Joseph Day is the nose, Austin mm-hmm. Johnson is a three, four tick. And then, you know, whoever the pass rusher was, Morgan Fox, Jerry Tillery, whoever that was. Now with Fajoco on the line, he's taking basically the majority of his snaps at the nose. And then Mm -hmm. Sebastian Joseph Day is able to move a little bit more around the defense. We've seen him take some snaps as a five tech, you know, edge rusher, if you will. We've seen him as a three tech and, you know, pretty remarkable day. You know, he didn't practice in full all (laughs) week. He was a true game time decision. He comes in and he has five run stops in his first game back. So, you know, his presence and his versatility is finally, I think, being shown because of Fajoko being able to take a lot of snaps Mm -hmm. from the nose. Because that's not really what Austin Johnson does. I don't think that's what Otito Ogonia does, at least mm-hmm. not yet. Not yet. Um, so Fajoko being able to play the nose is allowing Sebastian to move around a little bit more, and I think that really has made a big difference. Obviously, we didn't see that last week from the Dolphins because he didn't play, but mm-hmm. even against the Raiders and the week before that against the Chiefs and 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 uh, against the Niners, like we've seen Sebastian being able to move around, I think is really helping this defense against the run.
2: Yeah, it's a huge plus multiplier. It's, it's crazy that a nose tackle, That I mean, we really liked, but I, I never really considered it outside of maybe freeing up linebackers. But if, as you pointed out, and you caught this and I didn't, Sebastian Joseph, Dave, he can move around. I know they're trying to experiment with Khalil Mack um, playing over some guards as well. I am sure once Joey Bosa comes back, they will definitely play Joey Bosa over some guards as well. Mm-hmm. If that's the plus multiplier that helps out this defense, great. And, and frankly, whatever it is, it's working and if that means that's what Fahoko's role is that's what Sebastian Joseph Day's new role is great you stick with that
1: yeah absolutely um what was your uh big takeaway from the defense outside of kind of the run defense and how they played against Derrick Henry
2: um it, it's tough to say because they didn't exactly throw it I think the receivers <laughs> had all of like yeah. 40 yards um on the day so it was mostly tight ends and running backs getting the receiving yards so I mean, it slightly ties into the JC thing today, but I do think Michael Davis is irreplaceable at this point. Um, I was surprised very early on to see them pull us onto Samuel Jr. for Jaw Taylor, who I didn't want to start talking about this because there was no reason to. But after the Dolphins game and watching him play against the Dolphins, I was worried about some of the angles he was taking. So Hmm. I would disagree with the idea that based on the defensive film, that he was a guy that would be an upgrade over Asante Samuel Jr., who isn't a guy who would go out and tackle, like I don't expect him to go out and blow up Derrick Henry, but I do think at several points in the year that Asante Samuel Jr., namely against like the Texans, for example, has shown that he's a good tackler. So I don't I understand, I guess, what Staley was trying to do, but I was very surprised like that you would take Asante Samuel Jr. off the field. It's not like you know, rotating out Jerry Tillery when it comes time to play the run. Right. Jerry Tillery also can't play the pass really all that much either, unless he's playing the Chargers for about a half. Um, Asante Samuel Jr. is a really good cornerback who had a great game against the Dolphins. The idea of of, of switching him and rotating him out with Jaw Taylor is surprising, um, and I I do think if they try that again, that a smart offense coordinator is going to try to take advantage of it. I'm surprised that they didn't. I believe there was one one on one that they tried against Jaw Taylor, and the player did get you know ten yards or whatever. Mm -hmm. but um i mean it worked i guess but i also don't think he was tested either so we'll see what they do moving forward but i i I don't really agree with taking asante seaman jr off the field but that is that is your future corner one potentially and i just don't agree with this idea that like we'll put john taylor out there in base package i don't know it's hard to just like i get why they did it but it's hard to also justify if that makes sense
1: no i totally get it uh just for the record. Uh, Michael Davis targeted four times, Asante Samuel twice, Ja Taylor twice, Bryce Callahan once. So, uh, yeah, not a not a busy coverage day by any <laughs> means for the cornerbacks. Um, the Ja Taylor thing, I think in theory I would understand more if they had tried to play him over Bryce Callahan. Because to me, it's like, yes. you know, Brandon City says that he wants to get a bigger body out there at corner. But Bryce Callahan is smaller than Asante Samuel Jr. And he was still out there in uh obviously not in base packages, but mm-hmm. um I understand wanting to get John Taylor some snaps against the run. I do think he is a better run defender than Asante and Bryce Callahan. Um, you know, there were certainly some concerning uh angles and things like that. But you know, I think that is something that he will excel at later on in his career mm-hmm. is being a run defender. So was an interesting thing, you know, Asante is not, I don't think he's a weak run defender by any means. Like we've seen him make some really sure. crucial tackles. Um, I just, I i felt like, obviously it was a little bit different, but I felt like it was almost like the Tavon Campbell, Michael Davis thing against like the Ravens last year. Yeah. When randomly uh-huh. like Tavon Campbell was like getting these snaps on the outside and it was like, what mm-hmm. is happening here? But, <laughs> um, you know, obviously Brandon State explaining afterwards, I just, I, I, process is just a little bit confusing there um in terms of michael davis man michael davis is playing fantastic again have not watched the the film yet Mm -hmm. uh specifically for this game don't know if we'll see a ton he did have the one pass breakup Mm -hmm. um and since becoming the starter against the falcons michael davis actually leads the league in forced incompletions and pass breakups uh, among all cornerbacks in the league so Uh, he's playing some incredible football right now. And that's, it's not just that he's like having these good pass breakups and things like that. Like he legitimately was clamping Tyree kill and Mm Jalen Waddle, whenever he was given the chance last week, obviously Trent Sherford as well. Um, he's just, he's playing so much more consistent than really. I think he ever has. Like I thought in 2020 playing in Gus's scheme. Like we saw a lot more like flashy potential out of him. And I think he had four picks that year. So we're not seeing that. But just from a down-to-down perspective, I've been so impressed with the way that he has played this year. And, you know, obviously the JC News today and and JC's injury, Mm -hmm. you know, Michael Davis cannot be cut. Like, you, you cannot afford to cut this kind of player, especially in this division uh you know with Patrick Mahomes and you know we'll see what happens yeah. with the other two teams but AFC in general like like if you go look up the playoff teams right now all of them have elite quarterbacks except for the Titans with Ryan Tanhill who's he's a good quarterback mm-hmm. um so I, Michael Davis has made himself essential and I think that's everything that we wanted to see out of this situation where uh he wasn't going to be handed like the starting role and he, you know he he cut out the 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 uh off-field distractions from his personal life and he's really bounced back and has had an exceptional season for this team and frankly I don't think that they they do not be the Dolphins without Michael Davis playing this way and they do not make it a game against the Chiefs with him playing this way so uh Michael Davis deserves a ton of flowers because he's playing fantastic recently
2: yeah I believe since the Denver game granted it was a you know again half game half game but I believe he's allowed fewer yards and pats or 10 over the same time span um, and if you take away that 60 yard touchdown to Hill, yeah. which you can or you can't, it's up to you because, you know, technically he did get beat. <laughs> but if you want to take that away, you know, it, it's about the same amount of yards a lot over that same time span as like a, a sauce Gardner. Um, Not that Michael Davis is shadowing the number one and he's been, you know, the elite number one following the number one. But I mean, he's playing legitimate football. And it's great that you pulled up that stat of him having that many forced incompletions and passes broken up because one of the reasons in training camp, we were kind of. Seeing that slip away, that job slip away from him. Granted, we kind of figured it was the Samuel juniors, is because he wasn't getting his hands on the football. Like even though Michael Davis was playing some decent football, well, he was also kind of getting beat more than some of the other guys. But he wasn't getting those interceptions. He wasn't forcing pass breakups. And then at some point, he just he just for whatever reason, there was one week where he got an interception. And he got another one in like about the same few you know days of practice. And then there was a point where he was almost like the start over Asante Samuel Jr. Technically heading into um, the first game. At Michael Davis was the starter in camp mm-hmm. uh, next to J.C. Jackson. Of course, it ended up being Asante Samuel Jr. But something clicked for him. And I don't really know what it was, but something clicked for him. And really, ever since he got that the starting job in separate halves and then as the actual starter, I mean, like I said, if you told me there's a guy making nine million dollars, and we have him again next year, and he's a guy who's familiar with the scheme, playing well in the scheme, is obviously talented, has great attributes, and is giving you you know less yards allowed than than Pat Sertan, <laughs> like I'll take that any day. And I fully am for a one year extension for Michael Davis, even though it's kind of like an extension, I'm all for it. I mean, the guy is playing outstanding football again. Was eleven. Yards allowed against the Titans? Granted, yeah. again, not the greatest situation because Tannehill's hurt, their line's not great, and the receivers they're playing aren't that great, but still, like, 11 yards. It would have been 14 against the Dolphins. It would have been 16 the week before. I mean, just, just outstanding football. This stretch that he's on, and it's not that like Samuel Jr. as well is playing great, but the stretch that he's on is really the best corner play we've had since Casey Hayward's prime. We've really, I mean, this is kind of what we hoped that J.C. Jackson would be. Yeah, to be completely honest. And we're getting him for seven, eight million dollars less per year.
1: Yeah. I mean, the the way that he is playing just deserves so much recommendation or not recommendation, uh, recognition. Thank you. There we go. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he is somebody that I think you have to consider extending. And I think obviously that gives the chargers some cap space. And I think he also deserves it, man. Like, I, I think he's earning that right to be on the team longer. 100%. And play. I've really enjoyed how they're asking him to press more, which is not really something he did a whole lot with uh, Gus Bradley. Obviously, it's a lot of off coverage, lots of zone, and you know allows him to kind of read and react and run. Um, so they're really playing to his, to his strengths, and he's showing a lot of development. So I, I'm I'm a fan of uh, what he's been doing, and he deserves a lot of credit, as Asma points out in the chat. Maybe signing JC Jackson made him raise his game. That's certainly possible. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that Ronaldo Hill talked about in the offseason was adding like legitimate competition and, you know, bringing in Bryce Callahan and JC Jackson in practices makes everybody raise their game in practice. So that's certainly mm-hmm. possible. Um, like I said, Michael Davis has talked about, you know, cutting out his off-field distractions from his personal life. I'm sure that's helped. Um, and he's, you know, second year in the system, you know, second year being practicing in this kind of structure, so uh, you know, I, I think he's playing well. Um, somebody else who I think deserves a shout out, man, for the way that they played. Uh, Drew Tranquil has just been, mm. I don't think he's a, I think they're asking him a little bit t- to do a little bit too much. But I mean, we've seen him without Derwin really kind of step up be a leader on this team. Um, you know, he's setting career highs and tackles and sacks, and he's doing these great things in coverage. Like <laughs> watching the film back against the Dolphins game was crazy because you see him go from line of scrimmage to being the deep deep defender in pass coverage guarding the post Mm -hmm. uh, was insane. And then this week, you talk about different responsibilities, man, being the Tampa 2 linebacker uh, one week against the Dolphins to trying to stop Derrick Henry and being the the focal point of your defense against Derrick Mm -hmm. Henry and excelling in both of those things. Uh, I, I think drew also deserves, deserves a lot of recognition i don't think he's a true like linebacker one like i don't think he's like a fred warner kind of player but he's somebody just who is really really solid um who i think should absolutely be, be brought back as well just because i think he he just he stabilizes that position and and uh i think he's playing fantastic recently
2: unbelievable football again like you said maybe not top three linebacker in the league and i think I would say about as much as Kaiser White was doing last year. So again, I hope that doesn't mean that they let him go. Yeah, hopefully,
1: we learn our lesson there.
2: Oh gosh, I can't. I don't. I don't need to see. <laughs> anyway, I just, I'm I'm honestly surprised at Drew Tranquil. Another, but the potential wasn't there. But I I really just didn't know that he had this in him. And we have seen like little flashes against Kansas City last year. There was a blitz um, that he had. We you know bull rushed a guard. And either got a sack or or freed up Joey Bosa or whatever it was. And you started to kind of see these things. Like there's been little pieces of it, but we never seen him put it together, be healthy, and play this well. I don't know what got into him, to be completely honest, Um, but he's, I really don't know what they look like at linebacker without him on the field. And he is, he's consistently changing the game with a couple of plays. I would say, Maybe not as much responsibility as a Derwin James, and certainly not as good of a player as, Der- as Derwin James. But if you wanted to just talk about changing the game with a couple of plays, he's doing it as much as, as Derwin James has. And we're really, really fortunate to have him, and I hope he sticks around. Yeah,
1: absolutely. All right. We'll wrap up the defensive conversation here. Uh, I keep on getting this question. Brandon Staley has gotten this question what are your expectations for this defense when Derwin James does come back? Because for whatever reason, there's this narrative out there that it's better without Derwin James, like what's going on there. So uh, what are your expectations when Derwin comes back for this unit?
2: That they're going to be even better. I I don't think there's any, (laughs) I understand why the simplified scheme might be better for the chargers. And sure. Let's just say it's that, but I think, the idea that the defense is better, I don't think is necessarily just because well, it's not. It's not because Derwin James is off the field. <laughs> Let's just start with that. I think it's just a really good combination of, <clears throat> excuse me, two and not playing so hot. Tannehill having a busted ankle. Both the lines they faced the last two weeks are not good offensive lines, or they've been hurt and definitely not good offensive lines. You know, the, the, the interior defensive alignment are playing really well. The corners are playing really well alohi gilman has stepped up way big so i don't i don't think it's necessarily that you know we're so relying on derwin james so it's so complex the defense isn't great i actually think that just compared to what we saw at the beginning of the year i just think the overall defense they're starting to understand their responsibilities and or they have new guys that are in that are playing their scheme and responsibilities a lot better so derwin james will make this team 100 better like you tell me how which player, I mean, I guess you're tranquil, but, you know, Rush runs and covers DeAndre Hopkins and, and picks him off um, on fourth down and then forces a fumble the other down. You know, you're not going to have anybody like that on this defense, and they are better with him on the field. Um, it, It's just been, like, a very unique two-game sample size, but I don't think the team's like... Like, did you do this against Kansas City? And sure, maybe I can start having a discussion with you, but I just don't think... Not that the Dolphins are any pushover by any means; they're a good offense. But I just think Tua played a very piss poor kind of game, and the lines they've been facing aren't that great. So let, let's hold off for a bit on saying that it's Derwin James. Uh, that's the issue.
1: Yeah, I, you know, uh, I, I think with Derwin out there, you obviously see you, you see a better performance, right? I think he's somebody that that makes those game changing plays, and uh, you know, I, I think the way that they performed against the Dolphins was uh, it was a game plan thing. Like it was Brandon Staley you know, having that signature game plan game that we have all been waiting for. Uh, and it just clicked for whatever reason, you know, that was a, a back against the wall combination, uh, you know, opponent prime time for whatever reason. I think it just kind of clicked. And I think with uh, Derwin James out there it would have been even better. So I'm excited. I think this week against the Colts is going to be a unique test for them. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor is not playing this week. Uh, high ankle sprain himself. Um, but the Colts are going to run the shit out of the ball. Like they, (laughs) they know what they are and they know that running the football is going to be, you know, their way to play that game. So it's going to be a very similar matchup to this week. They're going to have to be, you know, assignments down all game long. Then we'll see what, we'll see what happens with Baker Mayfield. Obviously he has a game tonight. Um, and then the Broncos are are different as well. So this is really an opportunity for this defense to get their one back get Joey Bosa back potentially against the Rams. It sounds like that's kind of more of the realistic possibility. And then be able to, you know, find their, be playing their best football right into the playoffs, which I think is huge because you're talking about matchups, potential matchups with, you know, Joe Burrow and the Bengals or Lamar Jackson and the Ravens or Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Like they're, they're going to have like a very tough matchup in terms of the defense and, uh, you know, them finding their stride is, is huge.
2: Yes, 100%. And I hope the offense, which I'm sure we'll talk about next, I hope they follow suit as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yes, Jonathan Taylor is likely out for the season. He has a high ankle sprain. The Colts have nothing to play for. I'd be pretty surprised if Jonathan Taylor uh, sees the field again.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: All right, let's uh have that offensive conversation. Do we want to start with the positive stuff from the offense or the negative stuff from the offense?
2: Uh go negative.
1: All right. So, I I have become so frustrated by the third quarter offense because <laughs> it's like the instant the third quarter ends, yeah. everything is like back to normal. Yeah. We're doing play action, we're taking shots, we're we're getting Herbert out of the pocket. I don't understand what is happening in these meeting rooms and what the plan is in the third quarter because it makes no sense to me. And, and there are certainly some mistakes by sure. the players, some execution mistakes that are kind of derailing these drives. But the Chargers have uh, you know, a, a third and eight play and they run a swing pass to Austin Eckler and he gets tackled for four yards. Actually, I think it was Joshua Kelly. And I'm like, what... It's third and eight, and you're running a four-yard pass. Like I, I, the the process of which that they are playing in the third quarter makes no sense to me, mm-hmm. and it's just like mind-boggling to me. to Watch them instantly flip the switch in the fourth quarter and go, "Hey, let's do some play action. Let's get Justin Herbert out on the move," and it works. And you get a touchdown drive, like literally right after the third quarter ends, they get a touchdown drive because they do the things that work. And then in the third quarter, it's like, all right, here's our traditional drawbacks." It makes no sense to me what they are doing in the third quarter. And right now, that is the most frustrating thing watching this offense play.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I, <laughs> and I knew it too, just sitting there in the stands. Like, I bet you, as soon as the third quarter ends, we're going to score a touchdown. Lo and behold, <laughs> it's like, oh, here we go. Like, it was
1: instant, dude. It was yeah. right after the quarter ended. Yeah, it goes yeah. back to normal. The offense is fine.
2: Yeah, I don't understand it just seems to be that the offense also makes critical errors in the third quarter. Yeah. I think Herbert's pick might have been in the third quarter. It was. Could be yeah. wrong. I don't know. Like this team just seems to brain fart in the third quarter. It just something is off. And just looking at it, and I think you know everyone knows this, but the Chargers at some point their players. Corey Lindsley is the only player on this entire offense who can go an entire game without literally making a single mistake. And that I mean I'm including Justin Herbert. Like I don't think Herbert even can. Corey Lindsay is probably the only player, maybe Rashawn Slater if he's back, who can go 100 snaps without having one issue, one critical error. It's so tough for this offense to move, whether it is the play calling, execution, whatever, blocking. They're asking this team to do 12 play drives, 10 play drives. And at some point, these guys, like somebody's going to make a mistake. Herbert will at some point, like, his turnover-worthy play rate is like one every hundred plays. Well, if every game you're running eighty of those, potentially at some point, like you're going yeah. to, have, he's going to make a mistake. You know, Zion Johnson's pass blocking efficiency is ninety-seven point one, but there's always that one mistake because him and Matt Filer have blocked more true pass sets than any two players in the NFL this season. They are asking so much out of their offensive line, out of Herbert, the receivers, the tight ends. Now the tight ends have been great. But like at some point, if you're running so many plays, I mean, these guys are 50 dropbacks, 45 dropbacks, 50 dropbacks, 55 dropbacks. Like at some point, somebody's going to make a mistake. And it seems they just come together in the third quarter. I don't know why. So they need to find some way. Again, this is no done. Everyone listening already knows this, but (laughs) they need to find some way to get something, some sort of chunk or or or. Just roll with play action, and that's all you're doing. If you want to get your ten yards of pop, cool. Stick with the play action. I know you can't run that every time, but stick with it. And that was the crazy thing watching them try to do a drop back. I think like they ran play action, play action, play action, play action. I swear the first normal drop back they had was a sack, and then they like run and run, (laughs) play action, play action. Like it's like how I I don't understand what happens to this offense, but they're just they're, they're putting so much pressure on these players. A rookie like Zion Johnson who is, again, second most pass, true pass sets in the league as a rookie, playing a different spot than he was used to. That's asking way too much of your quarterback, your line that hasn't really gelled yet together because of all these injuries, the receivers that are banged up. It's just asking way too much of this offense. It's so frustrating to watch them just get five and five and four and three and four and five. Like I understand you have to be efficient at some point. At some point, you do need to extend drives. and You do need to have long drives, but... Like it's just making it so difficult for this offense. And for some reason, in the third quarter, that's when everything blows up. I don't know why.
1: Yeah, it's really funny to me. Like, because the way that they play offense is what somebody like Brandon Staley wants opposing offenses to do. Right. Like, the way that the Chargers play offense is exactly the way that Brandon Staley has built his defense. And I like there's certainly some player limitations that we're talking about. Obviously, not having Rashawn Slater, they yeah. don't have a deep threat because they never replaced Jalen Guyton like that. Certainly does not help. Um, and Brandon Staley w- was talking about today, like, well, the, the Titans were playing a lot of cover two man, and they did, and that's that's a, a coverage that mm. this team does not play well against because they don't have a speed threat and because they don't have like a, you know outside of Keen, they don't have an elite separator against press man coverage. And it just makes things so much harder. But at the same time, you watch this this team consistently get into third down situations. And the plan is always like, okay, Keenan, go be great. Or okay, uh, Austin Eckler, go break a tackle here and there. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't always work. And you're like, you're just, you're asking, like you said, you you summed it up perfectly. You're asking your guys to make so many plays consistently at high level that sometimes it's not going to happen. I don't think that Justin Herbert had his best day. I don't think Austin Eckler had his best day um I thought Keenan Allen was good I don't think Mike Williams was consistently good for this team yesterday you know him getting out muscled by Roger McCurry a couple times was not great but that's what you're doing because you're asking him to just go out Mm -hmm. there for 90 snaps in a game every single week so it's just frustrating there there's there are so few easy buttons within this offense right now that Joe Lombardi is pushing Mm -hmm. that it just makes things so much harder and you know, we see what this team is, what Justin Herbert specifically is doing in terms of the play action stuff, in terms of the rollout stuff. I mean, he's like his completion percentage over expected when he's moving out of the pocket is like far and away better than whoever is second. I, I forget the specific numbers, but um, he's just being so incredibly explosive and efficient outside of the pocket. Mm-hmm. And it's like they run it. They run two, three bootlegs a game. It's so frustrating. To, to watch them limit the passing game. And it's like, Brandon he said today, they knew that the Titans were going to come out in this, this too high shell look and make the Chargers kind of try and think and dunk. It's like, okay, why are you not manufacturing explosives at a higher rate then? Why are you, is that not your plan as opposed to throwing these six-yard passes and establishing the run, which I, I certainly was – I wanted them to run the football more. Absolutely, I wanted mm-hmm. them to be more balanced. But it's just <laughs> – It's not one or the other. Like you don't have to run the football and not be explosive. You can do both things.
2: Yeah. Well, that's what the, um, that's what the end rounds are for, which, Oh my gosh, dude, I don't know how, because (laughs) it's not like they run it once a game. And so you're like, okay, like we'll watch the film. They just like, I don't know for whatever reason, either it's pure coincidence and luck or they know it's coming it is like a catastrophe every time they run a, a reverse and end round with DeAndre Carter. Um, now, they did have more success with it, with Andre Roberts the one time they did it last year with Jalen Guyton. I believe both those players are faster. Um, they were able to run around that free edge defender. But still, like it, I don't know what it is because it's not like the Chargers run it all the time. Those plays are, are, are killing them. I mean, how do, you, how do you lose 10? How do you lose 10 yards? Yeah. on an ender run or whatever it was it's just ugh. oh i see my mom's in a super chat thank you mom
1: there you go <laughs> i like the comments right after that uh, from the other people kelsey and tara watching appreciate you guys We're all um fine. what sucks about the end round too is that in that specific instance, they had it set up perfectly like they had three guys out there and there was a lot of space to run all carter has to do is make that one guy miss and he he's not able to do it so um, I, I don't understand what it is. Like that was something I was really excited about for Carter was him, his ability to come in and do that kind of stuff. But it's just never worked for them all season. Like their misdirection plays do not work at all. And that's the screen game. The, their screen game is so consistently bad. It's so, so frustrating. Mm-hmm. They threw four screens yesterday and got three yards out of them. <laughs> three yards on screen passes dude like Mm. you know how freaking hard that is in the nfl like i understand like it's nfl defenses and stuff like that but their misdirection stuff is just so inefficient really yes (laughs) according to pff i'm looking at it literally right now four screens uh oh i'm sorry nine yards nine yards we did it we did it (laughs) Hey, that's we didn't even get one first 10. down total combined. Yeah, oh my
2: gosh. Oh,
1: I thought I, didn't even... I did think it was funny. Like, they talked all week about running the football, and all of their red zone plays were run attempts. They didn't oh, yeah. pass the ball a single <laughs> time in the red zone.
2: Yeah, no, they were like, okay, we're gonna run it. <laughs> um, and they got there, you know, three yards that play by Austin Eckler, man, that play in the red zone to get them that first and four or three, whatever it yeah. was. On our side, we're watching and man, like this guy, I don't, I don't know how he does it, but it, outstanding football from him. But I, I let's, so yeah, I'm glad that they leaned into like, okay, positives. I'm glad that they there leaned into the run game. I'm good glad transition. that they, they did go two for two in the red zone. I think that's fantastic. Like they did lean into the same things that we were hoping for. And even though it wasn't completely sexy, it did work in the red zone. So that is a positive that is good for potentially playoff football moving forward. I just wish that, you know, the the other yards between the 20 and 20, that they were just a little bit better or a lot better, I should say.
1: Yeah, Uh, this was a a, a sneaky, really good performance from Austin Eckler. Uh, You know, 12 carries, 58 yards. It's not anything, uh, you you know, sexy, like 4.8 yards per carry. Uh, But he had 3.4 yards after contact per attempt and he had he forced eight missed tackles and he had two explosive runs of 10 plus yards so um you know i've been kind of critical of the way that austin eckler has been playing and at least in terms of on the ground um mm-hmm. but this was a really good performance from me he obviously had the shoulder injury maybe yeah sounds like he avoided any major damage there um which thank god for that but um you know this was a good game from austin eckler wasn't a perfect game run blocking wise but you know, i thought austin eckler was consistently you know forcing missed tackles um and obviously uh getting explosive runs two times as well as super important for this team uh not a super efficient day from joshua kelly i was excited to see him get that one touchdown but mm-hmm. um, you know i think that it, that was kind of a big confidence builder for him too
2: yeah i would like to see rewatching the film what their distribution for how kelly was involved looks like if he's on the field. I believe he did have, he had one target that he was sort of half dropped, half missed. He had another catch for five or seven yards or whatever it was. But I'm curious with the looks when he's on the field, what they do with Joshua Kelly. I felt like it was very balanced when they played the the, um, the Browns. I don't know, it felt like it was that as much against the Titans, but I'll have, to, I'll have to rewatch and see. I just I don't want it to be like a tell where like Kalen Bolage when Anthony Lennon was the coach, never got a target, like ever ever he was never ever ever catching a pass every yeah. time he was on the field and i don't I don't think it's that extreme with joshua kelly but i hope they do keep it balanced because you know austin Adler can do one of at least two or three things kelly can do that as well not to the same extent but just try to get more looks out there so it's not so obvious that it's a run play when he's on the field
1: yeah um so kelly did have two targets um he did catch one of them one of them went like right through his hands but uh, so, <laughs> you know, balance, I guess, um, you know, 10 carries for Joshua Kelly, which I think for me is like the key thing there. Cause I think you do mm-hmm. need to see him start, you know, taking on a larger role in that regard, but only 24 yards. Um, he did have a lot of short yardage situations, so he, you know, not a ton of opportunities for him to get explosive runs. You know, I think he had like four attempts within the, within the 10 yard line alone. So mm-hmm. Um, again, not a, not a crazy efficient day from Joshua Kelly, but I thought, you know, the touchdown was huge, made some good plays mm-hmm. and pass protection as well. So the run game I thought was, um, a little inefficient at times, but I think they can build on this performance because the Titans even still with all of their injuries where I think we're like the second team, second best team in terms of run defense in the league. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, certainly something I think should get a little bit easier over the next few weeks.
2: Yeah, I would certainly hope so. A lot of... They were trying to do things that we wanted to see them do. There was some play action. They were trying to run the ball more. All great. It's just they need to put it all together, I guess. All I I'm responding to a, a
1: comment. Looks like we got a little bit of a potential high school graduation for me going on in the chat. Or a reunion, I should say, not graduation. Um, yeah. So, in terms of other positives, I do want to shout out Trey Pipkin's man because... Mm um i i thought that he had been playing some really good football before he got injured and he comes back this week zero pressures allowed uh in this matchup made some crucial blocks in the run game mm-hmm. uh people keep on talking about the right tackle position man and i think Trey Pipkins is that guy uh 6 games that he has started and finished healthy he's allowed six total pressures zero sacks and uh the team has absolutely needed him <laughs> it is such a big difference going from Above average Trey Pipkins to tomato can, dumpster fire, foster, Shereo. that's a little bit mean, but the point still stands. Like they are able to do so many, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> They're able to do so many more things because Trey Pipkins is actually a functional above average tackle for them. And, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for obviously working his butt off with, uh, with Duke in the offseason. season. There's a lot of credit for battling through this MCL injury You know, even with the MCLA injury, he's still top 25 in pass blocking efficiency among all offensive tackles in the league. Mm -hmm. He's having a fantastic season. I thought yesterday, uh, you know, D'Anico Autry didn't play in this game. The Titans are a different pressure unit again, uh, you know, without D'Anico Autry. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, with Trey Pipkins in there, they're really able to shift uh, their blocking scheme towards helping Jamari Sawyer. And, uh, you know, Pipkins was on an island, I felt like pretty much the whole game. You know, we'll see if that happens in the all 22. But, Watching the broadcast, you could tell that there was just a different level of trust with Pipkins in there, and he's able to actually, you know, function within the offense. So I thought Trey Pipkins played a fantastic game uh, and and deserves a shout-out for tonight.
2: Yeah, there wasn't that immediate pressure from someone who couldn't sustain a block because they were doing, you know, moving the pocket this way or that way, or just regular dropbacks couldn't sustain the block. It was so nice to have Trey Pipkins out there. Not like the greatest edge rusher group you'd be facing. Certainly no, you know, Nick Bosa. No Jalen Phillips out there, but hey, like if Pipkins can be out there, and it, it seems like they did as much as it's been a struggle watching Foster Serrell, it does seem like Pipkins is healthy and good to go moving forward, as long as there's no setbacks, of course, which is huge. I mean, the, the team really needed him back, and it, it is really nice to see him back. I, I wish they had a better offensive output with the returns of the guys that they had, but at least you know, Pipkins is doing his job, and as far as next year is concerned. It's tough to say where the priority is. I don't know if you can immediately ditch Bryce Callahan or Morgan Fox, obviously Drew Tranquil. You'll not have to account for paying for Michael Davis. No idea what you do with JC, but I mean Trey Pipkins kind of has to be back. I don't there's so many needs that the Chargers would have. Maybe it's a receiver, maybe it's an edge rusher, maybe it's a freaking tight end. I don't know. Yeah. But there's so many other things that you could look for in the first round that I just I don't really know if you want to burn a first rounder on someone. If you have Trey Pipkins there, which is hilarious because about six months ago, I said you should probably burn a first rounder on a right tackle <laughs> because you have Trey Pipkins there. But I mean, that, that's the Duke Manyweather magic, man. Yeah. Like, like he went out of his way and, and, and Pipkins is well, obviously it's not just a Duke Manyweather thing. Um, Pipkins, Joshua Kelly, they really did a, a phenomenal job, you know, changing their offseason schedules, routines, whatever, and making themselves irreplaceable.
1: Yeah, uh, the Trey Pipkins thing, is is it's a big L for me. I was uh, not happy about them kind of walking into the season with Trey Pipkins as the potential starter, and uh, he's earned every right to be the guy going forward. I thought that he's been uh, fantastic in the games when he's been healthy uh, from start to finish. So mm-hmm. uh, big shout out there. Um, I want to talk next about just the way that this – Justin Herbert has played and what he's able to do lately. I think for me, like being a franchise quarterback means so many different things, but part of it is also like things not going well. And yet you're still able to produce in crucial moments, right? Like that's something that I always admired about Phil Rivers so highly is that, you know, he could come in and, and like, I oh, think yeah. of like the, the Mexico city game in Kansas city or against Kansas city where mm-hmm. he had like three interceptions in that game. But you know, he, he went down in the fourth quarter and, you know, he led a touchdown drive to tie it up. And then he, had, he gave the, t- the team a chance to win at the very end as well. And having that short-term memory, if you will, mm-hmm. is such a crucial aspect of playing the quarterback position. And, uh, you know, I, for- I think we forget sometimes that Justin Herbert's still in his third year. Like, he still has a lot of things to learn. Mm-hmm. And how many other young quarterbacks we can see around the league throw that interception to Kevin Byard and just like, okay, game's over. Like, I'm going to shut down and this is it. But Herbert comes right back and has uh, a fantastic drive to obviously win the game for the Chargers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wasn't crazy about the way that the team approached that second-to-last drive when they got the ball back with four minutes left. Um, You know, again, that's kind of a Joe Lombardi thing for me. Um, But (laughs) Justin Herbert in that situation, you know, he has that – that play action or not that play action pass the whole shot to Mike Williams. And yeah. then he has the rollout obviously to Mike Williams again, which <laughs> one of the most insane throws you'll see on a, on a week to week basis. But mm-hmm. you know, Herbert being calm and collected playing so clutch in that moment, uh, I thought was super impressive
2: this week. That throw is better on replay, honestly, than in person. I mean, it was great. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but you know, there's something about that sideline angle and just the way that ball throws on a rope. You know, Mike Williams, yeah. the the thwack that it makes when it hits it on the pads, <laughs> like it's so great. He, um, I don't know what it is with Herbert, but he just, like you said, with like Philip Rivers, he keeps going. There's no change in pulse, but it's very different than from his his rookie year. I think that's one of the reasons that Staley says that you know, even though the numbers may not be there, that you think Herbert is a better quarterback than he's seen before because you know, against like the like against the Dolphins, watching that back. Against the Bills, against the Patriots, teams that gave him, you know, some difficulties, you could really see that there was kind of like this—not panic because he was excellent under pressure over the entire season, but maybe just forcing things a bit, not able to get that touchdown, get that game-winning drive. Um, although you know you're not getting a game-winning drive when you're down fifty-two to zero against the Patriots, but still, <laughs> like you, you can just tell that he has this like, it's a sixty-minute game, and even Corey, you know, Corey Lindsay said it: defense is playing well. And I always believe that we're going to have a chance, um, and, and they've shown that they have the kicker, they have the quarterback. They, ha- if they need it, you know, they've got Mike Williams for that one play. The drive before for the touchdown, they had Keenan Allen on the 31-yard play. Like they do have the guys to do it, and Herbert's the guy who can pull the trigger and make it happen. It's crazy that it that Herbert can legitimately do this consistently, but we can't put this together for several drives because it's just the the dynamics of what is called. Or maybe it is this exact same, but Herbert takes you know those those extra risks. It's it's phenomenal watching him. It wasn't a great game overall from him by any means, but I mean, in the kind of the same way that you know we felt pretty awful about watching Patrick Mahomes the minute and a half left the last time I was there, getting to go this time and see a field goal 48 seconds, Justin Herbert. I mean, everyone looked at each other and went yeah, we're just going to throw it to Mike Williams, right? And at some point, like it went to Mike Williams and they got up and they threw a touchdown or they they kicked a field goal. I mean, it was, it's awesome. Having that guy as a quarterback. I mean, I forget who it was in the chat here who said um, they've never had another quarterback other than Herbert as their quarterback, which is cool. That means this is a new fan, Jake. That's awesome. Um, But we had that with Phillip Rivers and to go from a guy like that, he'll fight to the end to someone like Justin Herbert, who definitely will fight to the end is awesome.
1: Yeah, and I think that is uh, a skill that you learn in the NFL. I think these young quarterbacks have to come in and be able to have these successful drives and positively. And, you know, having Cameron Dicker be able to come in and and hit that field goal. And, uh, you know, a typical Chargers team, like maybe from the past, like has that big explosive pass. And then they have the delay of game and then a kicker misses the field goal. Right. Like how many times did we see that as as, uh, younger men back in the day? So uh you know being able to trust the kicker i think is huge so Mm -hmm. um justin herbert just is able to again like when they actually need to go and score the offense just flows so differently because they're letting herbert go out there and make these plays Mm -hmm. um they're doing play action they're letting him kind of sling it around and that's just that's what they have to do on a quarter basis and they're just you know not doing it so I understand why people are obviously frustrated with the with the offense. I am as well. You know, I've been researching offensive coordinator names for the past week and um you know, it's just it's it's time for a change, obviously not at this exact moment, mm-hmm. but you know, this the way that Herbert can play, you just need something else. Like you you just have to have a guy who can help get him help get the offense to that next gear like we are seeing in, in some of these other areas around the league. So Mm-hmm. um I, I thought again herbert played fantastic in the first quarter fantastic in the fourth quarter had his best when they needed him to and obviously uh you know a two-minute drive is is just
2: so important to this season uh and obviously you know help them that much more yep another game winner i don't know how many we're at at this point but i saw emmanuel Acho, which apparently we're doing a, <laughs> we're all blocking him now I guess yes please trend. do that um but yeah i saw that herbert throws one interception and it's like oh yeah i'm not supposed to say anything but <laughs> and of course he goes out 30 minutes later and you know leads them on a game-winning drive yeah of course it's
1: just it's so petty to like cut up the video or whatever or download the video and then be like oh i can't say anything but here's this interception from justin herbert it's like yeah we all know what you're saying even though you're not saying it my guy.
2: yeah i mean again once every hundred pass attempts i don't under math i guess <laughs>
1: all right uh tyler anything else about the chargers offense you want to mention i know we've been uh, a little bit longer tonight than I, I thought we would be with just the two of us but uh anything else you want to bring up here about the offense
2: one that's what she said two no i don't think there's anything else i have to add yeah I, I want <laughs> oh yeah you know, yes like. i do thank you louise for reminding me you jackasses in the uh, audience <laughs> okay i was told and we've been <laughs> We're gonna go, oh Mike, 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 Mike. After the after Mike Williams catches a pass, right? So I'm like, okay, my dad, love him, Raiders fan. I'm like, Dad, Mike Williams, when he catches a number this eighty-one, it's gonna be awesome, Dad. Oh yeah, yeah, it's gonna be sick. When he catches a pass, we're gonna go. You know, have you seen Finding Nemo? Yeah, the seagulls. We're gonna do that. Okay, <laughs> Mike Williams catches his first pass, and I'm like, we're ready to go. Mike, Mike, Mike. It's just, me. It's just me and him thousands of people around us it's just me going Mike 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 like an idiot. <laughs> screw you guys I am never trusting you again I hate all of you <laughs> everybody was just looking at you like what the hell are you doing yeah and I'm like I'm, I'm like okay I'm around a bunch of Chargers fans we're good like I'm pretty sure we all saw this on social media like everyone got this I retweeted it three different times this week like we're gonna have a couple other people around us Nope. Just me and my Raiders fan dad. Mike, 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 Mike. Like a complete <laughs> jackass.
1: Shout out to Papa Shoot for uh, being a good sport with that. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's just like, all right, let's do it. Um, I, I did, for what it's worth, I did see other people saying the same thing that like in their section, they were doing it and then like nobody else in that section was doing it. So, uh, you know, I, I saw that the PA announcer was mentioning that they were going to like do it and have some fun and I don't, sounds like nothing happened in that regard.
2: It was just me. It felt like it was just me and 65,000 people looking at me. Just shut up. You're an idiot.
1: I love it. That's hilarious. I wish I were there. I would have done it with you. Uh, Thank you. you It is what it is. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll wrap this up conversation up today. uh, Talking about the Chargers playoff hopes and and chances. We'll, We'll address the JC Jackson situation on another show hopefully we can get some more information there in and yeah, you know on a later episode so uh because of what happened last weekend chargers got all the help that they needed literally everything that they needed to have happen did happen dolphins mm-hmm. lost jets lost patriots lost uh the chargers now currently sit in the sixth spot in the afc and have uh depending on which model you look at whether that's espn fbi or 538 or new york times it's generally above eighty percent chance to make the playoffs. Sitting at eight and six, they have the easiest schedule of any team remaining uh, in the AFC playoff hunt. So uh, we're obviously a little cautious, especially because the Chargers <laughs> were in this exact same situation last year, mm-hmm. sitting at eight and six, ready, you know, eight and you know, eighty percent playoff chance. Uh, but how are you feeling in terms of vibes in the Chargers making the playoffs right now?
2: I'm feel I'm I'm feeling like a guy with a ton of confidence who has a ghost behind him. Like that's, <laughs> that's really that's really what it feels like. I like I feel like there's a skeleton in my closet, there's a ghost, there's a spirit, there's something behind me because like you know, we try to be objective and understand what's going on. And looking ahead, there's no reason the Chargers should lose any of these next three games. And heck, they might even be able to lose one and still get into the postseason. But yeah boy we've been here before you know like i said we've seen rex burkhead go off against the chargers it literally is any given sunday we just saw the the texans take the chiefs to overtime we just saw these colts you know take it to the eagles and they took it to the vikings i guess the vikings are more fraudulent but still like it's any given sunday and it's the chargers and they've got three games to go to not screw it up i believe in the talent of this team i believe in justin herbert I believe in the players. I don't know about the coaches, but I do believe in these players. I think we'll be fine for the postseason. I am starting to think about their road to probably Cincinnati and then maybe Kansas City after that. I've been already talking about it with people. I, I would love to go if I could. But um yeah, 98% of me feels really good about this. The two percent of me is because I've been a Chargers fan. <laughs> I feel
1: that. I, I the the ghost sitting behind you of uh, past seasons is totally understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the people are are I think kind of underestimating the Colts team this week because of everything that they've been through and obviously, you know, hiring Jeff Saturday and things like that. They still have a lot of good football players, right? They do. They, yeah. they I mean, this is the same roster for the most part that led the league in pro bowlers last year. Obviously a lot of their guys are injured, but Mm -hmm. You know, they still have DeForest Buckner and they still have uh, Grover Stewart and they still have, uh, you know, all these, you know, Stephon Gilmore is playing some good football this year. And Michael Mm Pittman has been good for them. Um, You know, Quentin Nelson's still on the team. So they were up 33-0 against the Vikings. And I know they lost, but getting up (laughs) 33-0 is a fucking hard thing to do in the NFL. Like that's just not something that happens. So, uh, you know, the Colts are somebody that, I think it's not going to be an easy game. I think the Chargers should win. I'm going to pick them to win, but um, it's it's a harder game than I think people will will give them credit for. Yeah, Indianapolis is a super tough place to play, super underrated home field advantage for that team. Mm -hmm. Um, So that being said, the Chargers do have a playoff clinching scenario already for this week, which is crazy to me. A lot of other stuff would have to happen, but uh, if the Chargers win and the Raiders lose or tie, the Jets lose and the Patriots lose, the Chargers would clinch a playoff spot this weekend, which is crazy considering where we were at, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a month ago with this team. So I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I don't know, like the Jets play the Jaguars on Thursday night football. Um, Theoretically, that's a game that the Jets should win at home, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, on a short week. But, you know, this is, uh, this is a crazy spot for this team to be in. If they win their next two games, they could rest starters against the Broncos in mile high. I don't think that is, is probably what I I would do, but um, I do feel pretty confident that this team makes the playoffs. You just have to win two of your next three. Mm -hmm. None of these three teams are exactly great teams. Uh, You know, a lot of injuries, you know, with these two team, with these three teams that they're playing. Um, But I do think the way that this defense is playing has really kind of sparked some optimism, optimism with me about the way that they're kind of handling their business. So, uh, it's going to be difficult. This is not The Chargers are not a team that's going to come in here and blow these three teams out. But I feel good about their chances of winning two of the next three and making the playoffs.
2: Yeah, as do I. It's a combination of the Chargers obviously winning these past two games and then the AFC just, like, just thank you, thank you, uh, Chandler Jones for stiff-arming Mac Jones. <laughs> the craziest thing I've ever seen, man. Oh, yeah. No, it was wild because it's actually – my dad is filming the end of our game the chargers game. And then he turns to me to film my reaction to the very end of the game. And I turn to him and say, Oh my God, dad, the Raiders won. And so we're like celebrating at the exact same time because both of our teams won. That was one of the craziest ends to a game. I, I've never seen that. Like everyone's, you know, a lot of people say, oh, oh, I've never seen that. I've literally never seen that before. I can't believe that <laughs> happened. And boy, you know, Chandler Jones grabbed up football, turned around, saw Mac Jones and thought, Oh, this is legal. Now and yeah. Just buried him in the turf.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've I've
2: never seen, like, there are times, right,
1: where it's like a losing team will try and do these, you know, uh, backward pass plays and, and try and, you know, create something. But that was a tie game. The Patriots could have just, like, gone down and they would have played in overtime. Oh, yeah. Uh, crazy, crazy situation. So, um, you know, the Chargers, obviously, in a great spot here. I think for me, like, the way that they beat these two teams, I, you know, I started the show with this. I'm going to end it with this. I would have felt much differently obviously if they had lost or if they you know had not been able to beat these two teams but um you know going back-to-back weeks against the Dolphins and the Titans and coming out 2-0 I think should inspire a lot of confidence for this team because that's not something Mm -hmm. really any of us kind of expected so um last year at this time they were eight and six but you know they hadn't really beaten anybody good in quite some time heading into that stretch I mean you know they had just beaten the Giants and everything was kind of Rosie at that point and you know COVID certainly had a, a part to play in yeah. that in the way the last season ended too but um beating these two teams i think uh gave me a lot of confidence in their chances of, of winning two of the next three and uh getting to 10 wins which would be huge and uh obviously making the playoffs for the first time in brandon
2: state's tenure uh, i i just i just i, I... They're gonna win these next three games, but I I'd really just want to fast forward to pass that because I don't want to. I know I'm gonna hate watching these three games. Like they're going to win, but I'm gonna hate watching them because it's going to come down to the wire every single time. Yeah, uh,
1: you know, Baker Mayfield's gonna do some. You know, the the Chargers and Rams game is just gonna be so weird, and uh, I'm not ready for that. I'm gonna be there for that game. Yeah, um, but it's you know, it's just gonna get super weird at some moment because it's two weird teams two teams who are running a lot of the same concepts so uh that game is gonna get super weird um but ultimately i do feel confident like i said with this team yep all right uh that's a good place to end it so uh thanks to everybody for tuning in tonight chat was been fun um as always if you are listening to this conversation make sure leave us a rating or review really appreciate that as well uh shout out to the Fohoko family again for uh sending the gift i don't know if you want to open it real quick but uh, we'll uh <laughs> we'll wrap up the show with the the unpacking of the gift sorry tyler but
2: uh, that will come undone hold on ah <laughs> uh, now i feel like i'm destroying their gift on air sorry tyler. i should have thing- i should have led with that one that's my mistake no, that's fine. They're all gonna sit here and watch us do this. They've watched us do dumber things anyway. So, I mean, we thank talked you. about
1: funeral potatoes, and and uh, you know,
2: okay, it's not Legos. It is. Well, I'll read the card. Mele Kalikimaka, and thank you for being awesome. Bolt up from Linda Fahoko. It's his mother. Um, you thank you very much. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We have ourselves the greatest collection of wanderlust, sweet and savory. Let's go. It looks like macadamia nuts. Let's go. We have, yeah, oh, yeah, the good stuff. We have honey roasted, Maui onion and garlic, Hawaiian sea salt, milk chocolate, and dark chocolate. Well, this is what it looks like, Steven. I'm going to be eating them and, um, <laughs> you know, hope you enjoy the package of the- Hey, man, you got to mail
1: me some or something. <laughs>
2: no, <laughs> Which one do you, you can have the dark chocolate ones and, uh, not my, Janae likes the dark chocolate ones. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, okay, we'll, we'll save some for you. Yeah, we got some uh, macadamia nuts. If y'all ain't never been to Hawaii and get some chocolate covered macadamia nuts, they're the best. So yeah, you know, I can't wait to eat these.
1: Phoenix Flame says the onion and garlic ones are so good. I agree with that. Absolutely.
2: That sounds so good. I've never had those before. Chocolate, yeah. But never. Uh, yeah, anyway. So thank you very much. I'm going to take like a little, oh gosh, well, like picture for later. Thanks. Nice.
1: Okay, cool. All right. Uh, appreciate it, Fajoko family. Appreciate all you guys tuning in. Uh, we'll see you guys. Later in the week for our uh, preview show of the Colts game. Obviously, upcoming schedule being a little bit different with Christmas uh, happening this weekend as well. But, um, yeah, we'll see you guys
3: later. (laughs) Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.